You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. This is our fourth episode for season four, or, you know, the sixth episode of season four, depending on your point of view. For the episode Flight of the Defender, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, Mike and Star Wars Rebels fans. Good to be back. Uh, it's actually a pull back the curtain. It's a Sunday. Yeah. Usually I'm uh, watching football. But hey, if there's anything that'll get me away from football for a few for an hour or so, it's some Star Wars and, and especially Star Wars Rebels. So for sure. Good times talking to Rebels this week, Mike. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I know this is one of your you mentioned it last week. Yep. You know, one of your favorites of the series. So we'll get we're going to get into that uh, real soon here. Um, you want to hit the news? Just jump right in, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Always on the Force is strong this week. Now here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. All right, Mike. Uh, so last week, uh, we just touched on this briefly, and I wanted to bring it back up this week uh, because there's some things that Kathleen Kennedy said on the future of Star Wars. And she was speaking uh, at an interview um, with, with with the Star Wars show, Andy Gutierrez, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the franchise and, and where it's going and, and things like that. Uh, interesting quote. Got some people talking, and I wanted to just – it's real quick uh, – just – Check this out, and we'll talk about it uh, briefly. Check this uh, clip Really out. want to mention the story group. They've been working so hard the past couple of years to make sure everything that comes out of here is cohesive. What kind of process do you have working with them? You know, we're sitting down now. We're talking about the next 10 years of Star Wars stories, and we're looking at narratively where that might go. Future stories beyond Episode Nine with these new characters, Ray, Poe, Finn, BB-8. But we're also looking at working with people that are interested in coming into the Star Wars world and taking us to places that we haven't been yet. And that's exciting, too, because it's a vast galaxy far, far away. Right. So the possibilities, the are, possibilities are endless. All right, Mike. She mentions Ray, Poe and Finn and the future mm-hmm. after episode nine. So either she's letting out a major spoiler, which I don't think she would do. 
Uh, or she's just kind of talking in general, you know, generalities or however you want to say it, where, you know, just that there, I guess their saga maybe can continue. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's very like, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Like, what do you think? I mean, do you think it's a, she's kind of letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, or you think she's just kind of saying that just to say, what do you, what's your opinion on that? I think, uh, <laughs> that what I've been saying for the better part of the last, what, five years, I. That that um, especially after we had seen the Force Awakens and those mm-hmm. characters became uh, instant fan favorites. I mean, like like oh yeah, J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan managed to create a whole new cast of characters: Ray, Finn, Poe, BB-8, that are just as endearing, just as complex, just as interesting as Han, Luke, Leia, R2, 3PO, Chewbacca. Obi-Wan, right? Like what you Kylo Ren and Captain right. Phasma and um I mean no no small task, right? Because when it comes to the Phantom Menace, George had a hard time getting us to connect with characters that we theoretically already knew. I uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a lot of people yeah. who never did connect with those characters. A much larger group has connected with this core cast. And as a result, I think that Disney is looking at it as not just, uh, you know, these three movies revolve around these characters, but what do we do after these three movies? Um, And and heading 10 years into the future, think about that because that is, uh, it is 2017 right now, so that's 2027. Um, which sounds like uh, we'll have jetpacks <laughs> and hover cars by then. But um, yeah. it, it to me, like that's that's quite a ways off. But in terms of film production, it's actually not that that crazy because these saga movies are every two years. So in in ten years, um, and I think that they'll take a break from the saga stuff after episode after episode nine. Um, but we are we're two years away from episode nine. Um, so then that means that we've basically got about four years, four saga films that they could do, um, Mm -hmm. in the next 10 years. I think that, that when you sort of start to break that timeline down, you see, okay, we're going to do, you know, eight's coming out nine in another two years. That'll wrap up this, this trilogy, um, nice tidy bow. And then, I I focus on as she's talking about in, in that interview the other stories bringing in other directors and filmmakers to come in and tell stories in other parts of the Star Wars galaxy because it is a big galaxy um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that to me hints at, at the idea that stuff that's in the works might not be about characters that we know which would be nice um, right. you know Rogue One was certainly about characters that we didn't know but in a context that we fully understood I think what we need is some something completely out there. And I think they're getting close to being able to do that. So I'll, I don't want to get people's hopes up, but I do think that what they've built so far, um, and if Han Solo can can uh, uh, hold on to it, um, man, I guess I just refuse to call that movie Solo, but whatever. I, I <laughs> yeah. If they can hold on to it, um, I think that that puts us in a really good position to do something like Knights of the Old Republic. I. Uh, it, that that to me would would make a lot of sense um now that we've established star wars is back <clears throat> it can do new things it can do classic things so let's go be adventurous 
and uh, and and do something crazy. Um, so yeah, I, I think I I think that they that they're going to look at doing stuff like that, but that um, they'll they're also looking at continuing the saga and that the that next trilogy will still be very much about these these three core characters and and potentially Kylo Ren depending on yeah. what happens with him um uh, right. and and you know uh, other characters that may or may not be sticking around so yeah. the other part of that is that they've made a huge investment in uh in Disney parks and and as we saw you know in early concepts it seemed like they were going to go classic trilogy with it and then at some point they pivoted and said no we're going to go with the saga trilogy the the sequel trilogy and so um, I think that that definitely puts us in a position of uh, uh, seeing a lot more from that era. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it, they're going to stick closer to it. Like they won't jump twenty or thirty years like we have between the prequels, the classic, and the and the sequel, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it is. It's what it's nineteen years between three and four and then 30 years between six and seven. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that we'll probably see a a time jump a little bit closer to 10 years. Um, and that we'll continue with the characters that we've, that we've come to know and love, which will be very different. Um, and I'm sure that there are some fans who are going to, who are going to get a little bit riled up by that. Um, and it's kind of going to ruffle feathers. I think of, uh, Steve Glosson from geek out loud. He, he, he likes his Star Wars the way that Star Wars has always been, and I totally get that. It takes him a little while to come around to it. So I think that, that a lot of the older fans um, who have a preconceived notion of what Star Wars is are going to have that feeling um, because they had to wait. <laughs> they had to wait years and years <laughs> yeah. and years and years between films. Um, but But Star Wars fans nowadays... I mean, if look, if you are coming up, like let's say I, I I've got uh, Curtis who who I uh, hosts a cartoon afternoon with me. Um, he has a, a five and a seven year old, five and an eight year old. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly their ages. Um, they just had birthdays. That's why I'm confused. Um, mm. But. Peter is growing up in the era of the sequel trilogy in the same way that that uh, uh, Jason Hunt from Wampa's Lair grew up, and and Riley and Bethany from from the Star Wars report. They grew up in the era of the prequels, right? And and I'm in a weird spot because I'm in between the classic trilogy and the prequel trilogy, where. You know, I was born two years after Return of the Jedi came out, so I grew up with Star Wars being a persistent thing, but not really being around until I was older, until I was about ten years old, when nine nine or ten when the when the THX remasters came out, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I definitely consider myself a, an OT fan first um, because I was a huge Star Wars fan before like before the uh, the prequels came out but i was 13 years old when the prequels came out so i have this argument all the time with with one of my friends johnny that uh, i i i'm not arguing whether or not the phantom menace is a good film 
but I do enjoy it because I was 13 years old the first time I saw it. And when I watch it, it takes me back to that day. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it takes me back to standing in line waiting for (laughs) for uh, for the movie. We ordered uh, a twisty bread uh, from uh, from Domino's and and ate it in the line and, and hung out with with friends and made new friends and stuff like that. So I have that feeling around the prequels. Other people have that feeling around Ray, Finn and Poe. These are their first Star Wars characters. Or, I mean, like, we're, we're talking about an era in which maybe even your first Star Wars characters were were Ezra, Kanan, Hera, Sabine, and Zeb. Like, like those yeah. are your... Like, like we have to, we have to understand, and I think that <clears throat> Kathleen Kennedy gets this. Star Wars is so much bigger than the three characters that it always was, or the mm. the four iconic helmets uh, that uh, that that we were used to. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because yeah. for so long, Star Wars marketing, we talked about this last week, I think, was a Darth Vader helmet, a C three PO head, a Stormtrooper, Boba Fett. It was these iconic, you know, uh, uh, designs that that were very easy to reproduce because they didn't require a likeness, right? Right. So it's really easy to put Darth Vader's head on a as a lunch kit or uh, an action figure case or a Pez dispenser because he's just three D geometry, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, same with like all those characters, right? So uh, that's why when you look at at the 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 uh, the THX remasters, that's what they did. They put Darth Vader's head on one, a stormtrooper on the next one, and then Yoda on on the next one because they didn't have to worry about about a person's likeness, right? Right. But Star Wars is bigger than that. It's 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 actually like it's significantly bigger than that these days to the point where there are kids who grew up on the Clone Wars there and then that version of Obi-Wan, Anakin and Padme, that's their their definitive versions. I mean, like we've talked about it before. That's our definitive versions, I think. We we have spent so much time with those versions of the characters, so many more hours than the uh, than the live action portrayals that it's like like where's the line right so <clears throat> there are star wars fans who uh who are casual fans that that just watch the movies and they know that there's animated stuff but they don't they think that it's for kids or whatever their reason for not watching it <clears throat> but uh but if you are deep into this stuff you know exactly what it is and you know that it is so much bigger um, mm-hmm. and that it's changing and evolving um, and and things like forces of destiny and Lego Star Wars the freemaker adventures that are um, definitely aimed at a different audience but still building on top of that that core uh, fan base and structure like I, th- I think that that what we're gonna see in the next 10 years is going to be very different from what we saw in the last five um, mm-hmm. I think they played it very safe in the last five. I think that the last Jedi is the first signal that that the the reins are going to come off a little bit, and that that we can go a little crazy because we've earned everybody's trust back, right? Between because right. I think between Star Wars Rebels and The Force Awakens, you've absolutely done that. I think that Rogue One is is a is a good step in that direction as well. I don't personally; it's not my favorite Star Wars property but um 
I know that I'm in the minority on that. And I recognize that, that a lot of people <laughs> love that movie. Oh yeah. And, and I would say a good majority of, of casual and, and sort of the, that mid tier of star Wars fans, they all consider rogue one, their favorite, not all, but a lot of them consider rogue one to be their favorite star Wars film. Um, I don't, I can't ignore that. <laughs> that's the, that's the ecosystem that we're in now. Right. Oh, so, yeah. so if that's the case, if rogue one hits with a wider audience, than the force awakens, then, then more of rogue one, that's what we're going to see. Right. Because at the end of the day, yeah, it's art, but it's also a business. So, right. you know, like that's Ray Finn and Poe are bankable stars. BB eight, is a toy that you can manufacture over and over and over. Look at what we're getting in The Last Jedi. A ton of BB-8s. Right? Yeah. Like, we're getting a bad guy BB-8. We're getting a bunch of resistance <laughs> right. BB-8s. That, that, like, they're, they're doing what they did with the clone troopers during, during the prequel era, where it's like, just recolor, give them different little heads and stuff, and um, and I'm sure that like that was also just people going like we love BB-8, give us more of that, which is the same with the clones, right? Um, I never, I've never been like, oh my god, that's such a cash grab. It's like no, that's what the fans really like. Go to Star Wars Celebration, take a look, right. and see what the majority of costumes are. The majority of costumes are stormtroopers, Mandalorians, and clones. Like that's what people love to recreate and create their own versions of i mean like we've been given these great templates people go and do things bb8 is another one of those now where i you know the droid builders have been going crazy with r2d2 and different r2 units um and occasionally somebody will build something a little bit more off the beaten path like a gonk droid or a mouse droid or or something like that but but now I think in, by the time we hit the next Star Wars celebration, we already saw it at the last Star Wars celebration, but I think we'll see even more. We're going to see a whole bunch of different BB-8s, uh, different BB units, right? And mm-hmm. and I, I like I think that that's, that's what Lucasfilm is looking for, are things that connect with the audience, not just for the financial gain, but also for the, the brand um, adoption. I guess I'll call it a, because that's really what it is with star Wars. It's like, let's create something really right. cool that the fans really love that they'll want on a t-shirt and they'll want. And it's like the merchandising is definitely a big part of it, but it's also about creating a, a community. And I like, like I said, Kathleen Kennedy gets this stuff. She understands. And I think that she loves it. I mean, like you look at where she was five years ago when she took over, she was like, this is going to be really exciting. And then you look at where she is now at, you know, when she, she talks at star Wars celebration and stuff, you can get a sense of like a real surprise in her voice of like, kind of thought this was just going to be a job and it was going to be a fun job but it turns out that this is actually awesome and this is like the best job ever and i it's better than i could have ever imagined i mean i think that she said those words it's better than she could have ever imagined um and 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 you know like that's that's great because that means that the person who's at the head of it is about making awesome star wars stuff first i think for disney and for financial gain but second for the fans and i think that that's the best that we can hope for because 
you know if it's not making money they're not going to keep making movies so you got to kind of you have to read between the lines on this stuff and understand the financial aspect of it i guess um right. and the business aspect of it because film and television they're they're very expensive to produce especially at the quality level that that lucasfilm is working i mean we're about to talk about one of the best episodes of of Star Wars Rebels in in my estimation and and in order to achieve this episode they had to really push the limit of, of what they could do um with the with the Loth Wolves and right i that's expensive that costs money that kind of innovation and that kind of creativity it's this is Dave's vision he wanted wolves in Star Wars and he was going to do it in Clone Wars he finally managed to do it in rebels. Um, so it is his creative vision, but like, it's like that, that creative vision costs a lot of money. So, you know, you got to sell some BB eights and some clone troopers and some, some of that (laughs) stuff in order to fund the crazy ideas of, of these creators. Right. So it's, they go hand in hand. You can't divorce one from the other. And I think Kathleen Kennedy gets that. Well, when she was, when she mentioned that, um, like I said, a lot of people were like, whoa, what is she doing? What, what's she saying that for? You know, she's trying to ruin stuff. And then I thought to myself, like you just said, like, wait a minute. We had Luke and Han and Leia in the original trilogy mm-hmm. and uh, they came back. So so story wise, we don't know where the, where their these particular characters with the story arcs are going to go. But, yep. um, you know, we might it could go up and down and then we get them in, a, in another yep. trilogy or or one or two of them are how it's going to be so i i just saw i just saw thor ragnarok on friday night and uh which by the way everybody needs to go see if you i mean like Mm -hmm. i don't think i need to tell people to go see thor ragnarok (laughs) but um man it is incredible it's such a great movie but uh we know that he's gonna be in avengers infinity war right like we've seen pictures of him on set filming the fact that he is in infinity war didn't change the the um the suspense or the, the journey for mm-hmm. that character in Ragnarok. Right? right. I mean, like I don't, I don't anticipate them killing off Thor in, in his own film. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like yeah. there are definitely like ans- ancillary characters, uh, like, like uh, Captain Phasma or uh, Hux that, you know, like they're fair game and they could go at any time, just like Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. But um, but those core characters, I mean, I think that they're I, I think you can rest assured that that they're going to be around for a while. It's 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 the the suspense is in characters like Snoke, where it's like, can they defeat Snoke? Is right. Snoke going to continue? On? Because if Snoke's not there is the first order there. If the first order is not the threat, then what's going to be the threat in the next saga? Right. And so it's kind of right. that that sort of thing where it's like, like, well, what, what are we going to do? I mean, like we already see in, in The Last Jedi, it's, I mean, mild spoilers if you want to skip over this, if you've been avoiding stuff. But um, actually, I'll just I'll just use this to segue into The Last Jedi TV spot. Um, yeah, we Drop already right know that they that Ray and Snoke are going to come face to face at some point. Right. Like we've we've got that brilliant shot of Snoke's throne room now or whatever that is right um which is just like oh god man ryan johnson is a genius (laughs) and i 
if I ever meet him in person, I'll kiss him on the mouth because it's just <laughs> so good. It's he's just just like JJ. He's taken Star Wars and elevated it while maintaining exactly what it is. Right. So it's like it, it, he's it, this movie looks like it's just going to be like this movie to me is the first Star Wars movie uh, since the original trilogy that I think is Oscar worthy. Um, and I haven't even seen it yet. But mm-hmm. I do think that like that in terms of cinematography, I think in terms of of story and, and editing and, and all all those sorts of things, um, it should get some nods. It probably won't because it's a Star Wars movie and the Academy is a bunch of jerks. But and they have a, a yeah. real um, axe to grind with the Star Wars and and the thing with that is that I don't even think that the majority of the Academy knows why, right? Because you and I know that it's because George would like said screw the union, screw everybody. I want my credits at the end of the movie. I don't want credits at the beginning of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And what did he? Right. Uh, he he like left the Directors Guild or something, didn't he? Right, I think yeah. um, over yeah. over that decision. So uh, I and then just went on and you know financed his movies himself later, and there that's why the original trilogy are independent films. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, th- there's that history that I think the Academy still carries against Star Wars films. But regardless of that, when you look at at what they're doing with the Last Jedi, I think that it's definitely there. When mm-hmm. when when Luke when Mark Hamill gives the performance that he gives in a trailer and we haven't even seen yeah. the movie yet, it's like, come on, just give him a nomination. It's you gave Peter Jackson a best picture award for return of the King, even though return of the King is arguably the worst of the three Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. That was a makeup. Yeah. Was and a makeup it was call. just, yeah. it was them just saying like, this is for the accomplishment of this entire trilogy. Right. Like that was kind of the the tone is that the Academy gave him that, you know, they voted that way in order to give recognition. And it's like, can you not like like Luke Skywalker is possibly the most iconic hero in the entire history of film. And here is Mark Hamill 40 years later adding so much depth and dimension to that performance while maintaining who that character is is at the core. I mean, like, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's at, we, at least worth a nomination to say, like, we recognize that you are awesome and that you've been awesome and that people might make fun of Mark Hamill, um, as being right. a, a sort of a one hit wonder type of actor. I mean, you and I know better uh, that he's the Joker and he's, uh, he's, uh, Darth Bane and he's, uh, he's so many characters in voice acting and he's, he's had such a great career. Um, but the majority of people just think that he's only ever played Luke Skywalker. Um, right. I don't know. I did, I'm going off on crazy tangents, but this, this speaking of Mark Hamill in this TV spot, him so you watched it, right? Oh yeah. It was like, yeah. I texted you right after we finished recording yeah. last week, this thing drops. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. They but it was freaking I, awesome. Yeah. I got, I got the, the notification on my phone from YouTube as we were recording last week. And I was oh, like, you, okay. are you yeah. kidding me? Like I, there, <laughs> you might be able to go back and listen. Cause I think it was while we were still in the news or we had just started the recap and this dropped. And I was like, what? And I had a moment of like, do we stop? watch the TV spot and then talk about it. And I was like, no, yeah, 
we'll wait. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, but, and, and I also had a moment of like, do I watch it? Should I watch this? And then, uh, after we were done recording, I went on Facebook and there were already like screenshots and stuff all over the place. And so yeah. like, I would love to be spoiler free. It would involve not being on the internet. And in order to, to, um, do the job that we have sort of, uh, 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 promised that we would do to our, for our listeners, um, we have to be on the internet, right? I mean, like I have to go on Facebook in order to do promotion and stuff like that for the podcast. So I can't avoid this stuff. No. So at the end of the day, like if EW is going to post a screen cap of Luke on the, on the, in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, I hate it when people call it the bridge. The Millennium Falcon does not have a bridge. It has a cockpit. Um, Mm -hmm. I, if you're going to post that picture, it's like, okay, I guess I better just watch this and enjoy it in the in in motion rather than get it all spoiled in in screenshots. So it's funny that now I live in a world where there are spoilers for TV spots. Um, <laughs> but man, yeah. that 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 moment of Luke walking onto the, the cockpit of the Oh man of the Falcon and the lights all coming on. How great was that? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. um it's incredible. I can't wait for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I saw that thing right after we finished recording, and I was just like, what a fantastic TV spot. The way that they opened, it's like, yeah, you know, you look at that shot, and obviously uh, you can tell that this is probably very, you know, very start of the movie where, you know, the Millennium Falcon's down there. He's going to go down there, and kind of he kind of walks in, and you, and you get that, he gets that feeling of, you know, nostalgia or whatever, and he's kind of looking around. It's like, wow, the first time he's been in that Millennium Falcon that we've seen in so long so just a great shot and then there's some other a couple other shots uh in the trailer too especially like you said that that shot of uh, the throne room wow you got the praetorian guards around the end there and you can see general hux uh standing there so uh man just the the way this thing is shot way it looks it's just oh man we're in for we're in for a treat and you said you know you're talking about oscar stuff like we all kind of made fun of not made fun but we're like you know JJ said that look out because Mark Hamill could get some kind of a nod for this one. We were like, yeah, sure. He's just saying that because he's in the property and and he's just, this is things that mm-hmm. directors and actors say about one another. You yeah. know, they're just being nice. But I don't know, man. You you never know. Like you said with Return of the King, that was kind of a makeup call. You know, like okay, here you go. Yeah. Since you did all these movies, so you're right you never know i mean from what we've seen this this could be one of those movies where everybody looks at him and goes damn that was a really good performance maybe we should give him like you know not maybe not best actor but maybe he gets something for uh what's the other one uh not best actor but they get uh best supporting 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 yeah or something uh, like yeah that. i guess you, it, know? you would probably be be up, be up for supporting and and that even yeah. more so like that's even more of a of a of an easy call to make yeah it's like if just yeah. give him a he doesn't have to win like i'm not saying that that mark no, hamill right, needs right. to win an academy award for this i think that they based on what we've seen so far that that would absolutely be valid but i think that there are also a lot of other really great performances this year i think that we've had actually a pretty good year so far oscar season hasn't even started yet so right um because yeah. they hold a lot of movies to wait for you know december january february um, to, right. to prepare for Oscar season. But um, the way that he delivers that line where he's like, I've uh, I've seen this raw power before. I wasn't scared enough then. I am mm-hmm. now. 
right? It's like that. The way he delivers that is just. <laughs> yeah. the the look in his eyes right like because like the 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 vocal part of it is incredible as well but but the the look in his face of sheer terror and like and like that anxiety and and the it like it like you get the sense that that level of power is so terrifying that it's actually kind of driven him a little bit crazy yeah, yeah. Um, right. And it's so hard to ride that line because crazy can oftentimes end up as silly. But mm-hmm. but they like Mark Hamill is really nailing that. Like I've been in seclusion for the last however many years, um, only talking to porgs and these little weird, uh, uh, you know, uh, what what the, the, the I can't remember what they're called, but we saw a picture of them. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The little like the, the little things. nun things, yeah. Yeah, and it's like yeah. he's been he has been he had there haven't been any humans around in a long time. There hasn't been anybody sort of on his level in a long time, and I uh, I and you can tell that it's it's gotten to him, you know, like that he is a he is a bit of a crazy old hermit, just like Obi Wan and Alec Guinness did such a great job of making obi-wan kenobi seem at the same time that he was um obi-wan and he like mm-hmm. the, this is clearly this 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 knight this retired knight of of some sort but that there's also a little bit of a don quixote uh element to it where you're like you know if you really try and forget about everything that you know about obi-wan kenobi and you just see it through luke's eyes Uncle Owen's been telling him that this guy is is a nut job, a crazy old wizard, for his entire life, and yeah. then Luke goes and meets him, and he's like, "Here, have this laser sword. It was your father's. Your uncle's been lying to you. Uh, also, you're gonna come to, with me to Alderaan, okay?" And he's like, uh, "No, I'm not." And, and then his family <laughs> dies, and he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll go to Alderaan with you. I don't have any reason to stay here." And then they go into Mos Eisley, and the dude just slices a guy's arm off. <laughs> yeah and like it's at that point that i would be like i think i'm making a bit of a mistake i think this guy might actually be a super dangerous crazy old wizard um right. but but uh like like there's that kind of line that he rides and and alec guinness's performance is very subtle in that respect so there's just a few moments where he's kind of like he's listening to luke and then luke says something and you see like the flash of Almost like like uh, uh, there's that great video that I that I shared on Facebook a while back, um, uh, like almost like PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like he the and the the fantastic thing about that performance is that like he didn't even know what the movies were before because they didn't exist yet, um, <laughs> but Alec Guinness still manages to nail all of those performances retroactively, which is incredible. But I think yeah. that I think that Mark Hamill is drawing a lot from that and and what we've seen so far is indicating that and that's the case i mean like the preparation that he's done and come back to a character after 40 years and um i've heard mark hamill speak a lot um in person and and through video um and Mark Hamill sounds a certain way, right? And and when he does the Joker or when he does um the the <clears throat> the the it's the fire lord in in avatar um or you know like i i oh what's his character's name in uh in in regular show 
Oh, I didn't even watch that. I can't remember the character's name right now. It's like on the tip of my tongue. I haven't watched regular show or thought about it in such a long time. Um, but when when he does those per- performances or you hear him speak, he doesn't sound like Luke Skywalker, right? But mm-hmm. then in this trailer and in these TV spots, when you hear him speak, it sounds like luke from return of the jedi and luke from return of the jedi is like a very specific he has such a great demeanor about him where it's like it's calm and cool and collected but at the same time again just like obi-wan there's like a little bit of like like there's something to be afraid of there's a little bit of danger there right and and i he's got that again and that was the thing that i was the most worried about with luke coming back was like can mark hamill get there again because it's been so long since he's played that character um but then when he because when mark hamill talks it's very he talks very high and he's and very excited and he's always like oh my god i can't believe about this thing but luke is very even luke's very calm and like he's here even when he's telling leia it's like darth vader is my father and there's more right if he ever found out about you know, like my sister and he's just kind of like the way he delivers that stuff is just like, it's just so even and it's so controlled because he's obviously a Jedi Knight. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it, that, that it's a performance that I feel has always been, been under, uh, underestimated. Um, and people just kind of overlook it when I think like you, when you compare it to some of the other performances in the original trilogy, I do think that like Mark Hamill knocks it out of the park every time uh, in, in those three movies and to have him come back and, and nail it again in this one. I, yeah. Can you tell that I'm excited for the last Jedi? <laughs> can you tell? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I think uh, what I keep going back to is when Mark Hamill earlier this year, he goes, he fundamentally disagreed yeah. with, what Ryan Johnson and that's what's got me like going whoa what yeah. the heck is going to happen in this thing and we've seen some of it obviously in the trailer here so um but and then ultimately Hamill came around but man this is gonna when they talk about different when Mark Hamill says I fundam- fundamentally disagree where they're going with this character yeah which kind of makes me think that Mark Hamill was going to come in and and I don't know maybe he thought he was going to be the super Jedi or something and it yeah. doesn't look like we're going that route so um, at least, at least to start with, we'll see what happens as we, as we go through eight and nine, but man, just, just a great TV spot. Uh, each it's like, we started out with the first teaser at, at celebration and it was, it was good, but it, yep. it didn't blow me away. And then each successful stuff we get, it's just like, man, you just get more and more. It's like, wow, yeah. this thing is wow. Good stuff. So, totally. um, yeah, though, no, that's, that's kind of what's been going on in the news. Anything else, Mike, before we hit the uh, recap? No, I think I've talked enough already. Let's jump into the recap. All right, let's do it. Ezra! Rex! Ezra! It's time to get to work. When are you going to feel you've done enough for this rebellion? So I guess you really never thought about us. All the packs are coming together, right? I'm just not sure if we're going to like where they lead. Krennic has been quite persuasive about his own project. Stardust. Are you confident your ship can get in and out undetected? We don't call it the ghost for nothing. Woo! Got him! Now is our time. For the Rebels recap. 
be with you. All right, here we go with Flight of the Defender. Lothcats run in the wilderness, approaching uh, wilderness, approaching the rebels Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, and Ryder, who are uh, staking out a remote Imperial testing facility in Lothal's wilderness. Ryder explains that his spies have gotten information uh, that the Empire plans to test their new TIE Defender here. Ezra's calmly uh, beeps, and Harrison Dula asks how the mission is going. He tells her that the fighter hasn't shown up, shown up yet. Hera at Ezra's old tower with Kanan and Chopper report the Empire is beefing up their anti-aircraft defenses, and there are new fuel tanks and at the Imperial factories. Kanan suspects that the Empire intends to start full-scale production. Ryder explains that the new Defender is even more dangerous than the normal variety. The Defender Elite flies overhead, blowing Ryder's hat and Sabine's helmet right off their heads. Sabine recognizes the pilot exiting the prototype as Volt Scaris. Sabine has an idea, extracting the fighter's uh, flight data recorder so the Rebellion will know more about the fighter's capabilities. Sabine points out that transmissions can be intercepted and that having no way to get the data recorder to the Alliance is what she calls a good problem. Ezra and Sabine sneak off on their mission while Zeb and Ryder wait. So, Mike, we open up here, uh, kind of a mm-hmm. continuation from last week, open up on Lothal, kind of a cute little, uh, on a cute note with the, uh, the little cats kind of running around here. They're overlooking this Imperial base and, <clears throat> and the, uh, this new TIE Defender uh, shows up and, uh, they talk about how you know this thing is super fast. I mean, it probably can outrun the the ghost as well. And Sabine has an idea of, of you know not just looking at it, but hey, let's let's try to get this data recorder because it's going to give you you know stuff like range and speed and the weapons and just way more in depth. Uh, something that that the Rebel Alliance can use to figure out how they're going to uh, you know fight this thing uh, if they if it comes to that. So yeah. Uh, you know, this thing, and this is a lot about this TIE Defender's new Elite Mike, and this thing has three wings, the heavy cannons and the hyperdrive, which we've seen already in the Defender. But this one is even faster, and apparently has the shielding is a little better as well. So uh, just a little bit of a, you know, just like kind of like they do with cars and iPhones or whatever you call it, just adding a little bit more to it. And this thing, uh, this thing is going to be a devastating weapon to the uh to the empire and you know they got and, and this kill switch too this is a new thing they put this kill switch in it kind of a security measure so um just everything that that the empire needs to kind of dominate the rebels uh any, any comments on this uh first half here mike or this first portion no yeah i mean like, i think you said a lot of it it's just that this thing is is definitely a threat um and i you know it, there's a little bit of an element that like okay we know that this isn't gonna be um, that they're going to deal with this because we've never seen a defender in, in the original trilogy. So clearly this threat is going to get shut down Yeah. Um, at some point, but <clears throat> at what cost? And I think that's the real question here. Um, and, and this episode does a really good job of posing that it's like, like what's it going to cost them to, to shut down the tie defender program, which I think is, is, I mean, this episode kind of confirms that's what's running out of Lothal. That's what Lothal is being used for. So similar mm-hmm. to um, um, uh, Jeddah being uh, connected to 
to uh, the Death Star. It's like, okay, Lothal is the place where they're, they're doing all of the flight tests and where they've got all of the information for this, this TIE Defender project. Um, so if they can liberate Lothal, they'll, they'll put a serious halt on, on manufacture of these specific ships. And mm-hmm. these ships... The great thing is that you have to remember at this point in time the the rebellion as we saw a couple episodes ago they've got u-wings and they've got y-wings right now. right so and those y-wings are from the clone wars and they've been they've done everything that they can to get those things up to up to snuff um but but they're still i mean like they're bombers they're slow they're they are not right. what the rebellion needs and and now you throw in these tie defenders, which can easily outmaneuver a Y wing or or a U wing. Um, I think that they're looking at it and going like, "Yikes, we've got heavy firepower. <laughs> we don't have something that can out outpace this ship. We right. certainly don't have something that's even close to this maneuverable." And uh, and and I think that. Um, sorry, if you guys can hear that. We're like Matt said, we're recording on a Sunday morning. So, um, I, yeah, like they, they, they don't have anything that comes even close to this ship yet. I mean, like, they we know that we're, X Wings are coming, we've seen it in the trailer, but, right. um, but at the moment, it's like, okay, we're in serious trouble with this thing um and they're only gonna learn more as this episode goes through right that it has a these things have shields they they well we already know that but it's got it's got it has a shield generator it has a hyperdrive Mm -hmm. Hyperdrive, which means that it doesn't rely on a star destroyer to to get in and out Right, which right. like we know what that looks like for the rebellion. It's actually one of the things that gives them an edge is that that Y wings, X wings, U wings, they can get in and out without capital ships, which means that they can launch surprise attacks like they do in um, in Rogue One. Right? right, you couldn't do that if you had to like come into the system with a capital ship or even a light cruiser of some sort, um, and then and then launch your fighters from there right because that cruiser would would give you away immediately as soon as it entered the system mm-hmm. um but x-wings and y-wings are able to get in hit their target and get out um right so yeah like that's what this tie defender would look like and if the empire already has numbers they're already terrifying as it is if they can if they have that capability as well um, yeah. with their tie fighters then then you know you're toast right so right so yeah they have to they got they have to shut this down before it even becomes a thing and uh yeah hopefully well, they do i mean i think that they will and i think that taking out thrawn is the key to that right well yeah like you said and i noticed that too it's like the y wings like you said the bomber's kind of slow and you have the a wings that they're really fast um, but they don't have a lot of firepower and you got yeah. this defender, which is kind of a mix of both. This thing is, this thing is fast. It's shielded. It's hyperdrive. It's got proton bombs, uh, warhead launcher, uh, not proton bombs, but it, it has a, it's, I think it's capable of firing, I think six mi- missiles, which, which yeah, I, found I think out. it had concussion so, missiles. I think that's what concussion missiles. Yeah. So man, just devastating. Like you said. So, yeah. and, and I thought they did a fantastic job of showing like how fast this thing is i mean every time it was flying around just the sound the sound effect of it well, yeah uh, and the kind of like the chemtrail it would leave if 
Well, you know, when SH when um, yeah, when I uh, uh, when Ezra and Sabine are in it, and they they push it as fast as it'll go. You actually see it's it, it's one of those blink and you'll miss it moments, but it actually goes supersonic, right? Supersonic, so yeah. It, you, yeah, you exactly. see that like that burst around it for that half a second um, yeah, as it, really as cool. it breaks the sound barrier. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. Like this is a fast ship. This is a very very fast fighter, um, and I would I as far as I know from what I know about starfighters and Star Wars, faster than an X wing. Which mm-hmm. X wings are are the fastest, most maneuverable, right? Well, I mean, A wings are faster, um, uh, but the the X wing is the best all around, I guess. Right? Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah like I, I, yeah, this is a scary, scary ship. Um, mm-hmm. So, so no let's doubt. get as much information as we can, so we can take them down. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll continue. Definitely. Sure. Uh, the two specters sneak onto the base with two Lothcats in tow. Ezra suggests that Sabine create a distraction so she can sneak aboard. As Sabine attempts to come up with one, the Lothcats emerge from behind the crates the rebels are using as cover and approach the guards. The stormtroopers, irritated at the animal's presence, wonder if they can fly. One of the troopers shoots at a cat, which jumps out of the way. As the trooper agrees that Lothcats can't fly, the animals, angered, attack them. The cats then flee with the troopers in pursuit. Sabine takes the opportunity to sneak aboard the Defender as Ezra keeps watch. As Sabine begins to extract the flight recorder, Zeb contacts her and Ezra to report a ship approaching from the south. Scaris meets a Sentinel-class landing craft as it arrives at the airfield. Ezra, in his hiding place, looks over and is horrified to see Grand Admiral Thrawn and Governor Arinda Price exiting the shuttle. So this is... I mean, like I, th- I love this whole episode, but I mm-hmm. love this part with the Lothcats so much. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah. It, it's yeah. just got such a. It reminds me so much of like that moment when they're behind the crates and they're like, "We got to come up with some kind of a distraction so that you can get into that ship and get the flight recorder." And then Ezra looks and he's like, "Uh, I think we might not have to worry about it." It's so <laughs> much of like Han and 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 yeah, everybody going right. like, "But yeah. how are we gonna?" how are we going to get in into the front door is we, there's too many troopers down there to take care of. And then three people is like, um, I think our furry friends might've done something rather rash. <laughs> and it's yeah. uh, and, and you see the, the Ewoks head down and it works. So it's just, we talked about it a lot on front lines with clone wars there would be callbacks that would be a little bit too heavy-handed where it's like somebody would deliver like there would be an exchange that would be like like almost word for word from one of the original trilogy or or the the prequel movies it's like the 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 scene with the um with the buzz droids in uh in in that episode but instead it's anakin and ahsoka instead of anakin and and obi-wan and it's kind of reversed right where anakin is the one whose ship gets taken out um it's like that that scene was way too close right it wasn't a reference so much as or an homage so much as it was just a copy um this is one of those moments where like this is the perfect balance where it's like if if you know what you're looking for if you if you're familiar enough with the with the saga you're like oh my god this is just like the Ewoks but then oh, it has yeah. Yeah. its own fun to it where they're like let's see if they can fly and that whole thing and it's like you're like these stormtroopers are jerks and then they get what's coming <laughs> to them because that one right. Lothcat like launches on top of them and it sounds kind of scary at the time it's like 
yeah. But I love like the other thing is that I love loath cats and now I love loath wolves and apparently there was a loath bat in in this episode. I didn't I don't Oh, I didn't see that. I don't remember seeing that. I might have to go back and rewatch the episode. It's in the it's in the concept art, the the behind the scenes gallery. Okay. Um, there's a there's concept art for a loath bat. So maybe it was just in the background, but the design is awesome. I love I love that the ecosystem of Lothal is actually very similar to Earth. Um, and that a lot of the creatures on Lothal bear very strong resemblances to to Earth creatures because other planets in Star Wars obviously have very different um, species. But uh, but Endor also had several species that were very similar to species on Earth, um, especially if you consider the uh, the Ewok movies, which I do. Mm-hmm. Right. They really need to re-release those in high def as Star Wars stories already. Like just just on Blu-ray, just release them in Blu-ray. Yeah, why not? As yeah. A, you know, like like Ewok adventure, the Star Wars story, or whatever. Yeah. Now, anyway. speaking of the scene, yeah, no, speaking of the scene, I had the same thing. I, I just, yeah, it totally reminded me of Return of the Jedi and yeah. he walks still in Speed of Bike Yard. Definitely a, a cool callback to that. And, and you kind of see, like, the boredom of the stormtroopers. I mean, these guys just kind of just stand around a lot all day long. It's so the, yeah, easily distracted, you know? <laughs> it's the thing that – and I, I think that it was um, – I think that it was actually Dave Filoni who who broached the subject, which is that, uh, you know, like there are different types of stormtroopers out there. Some of them are scary. Others aren't. And it's like yeah. like on on the Death Star, they never had to worry because those stormtroopers were basically just mall cops. Right. Yeah. That's how Luke and Han and Leia were able to escape. They were also allowed to escape by Vader. But right. But those stormtroopers aren't the elite stormtroopers, even though it's the death star, why would you put the elite stormtroopers on a space station with its own, you know, like it's like, like what, like it's a battle station, the size of a moon. Mm -hmm. What, who would be stupid enough to infiltrate it? Why would you need elite troopers there? Right. Right. But then in return of the Jedi, the stormtroopers are much scarier because those are the elite stormtroopers. So they, they do, like that, yes, they get defeated by Ewoks, but they also do manage to kill a lot of people. So, you know, like it's there, there are there are varying levels, and I think that these troopers, these two guys, um, are very tag and bink esque. Uh, in that, like <laughs> these sure. are they're just yeah. a couple of guys. Like they are not elite soldiers. They are they're security <laughs> guards, right? Yeah, definitely, and, and the fact that. Not only do they mess around, but they actually chase after leaving their post, leaving uh, the leaving so, the base. Because later the base, on, I, yeah, come on, guys. I love that. Yeah. I love that moment yeah. as they're as they're escaping and they sort of blast overhead, and those two guys are still chasing the law, the yeah. cats, and it's like <laughs> they're so far away. Yeah, oh it's God. like come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> and then we get Thrawn. He shows up and he's there to inspect the new improvements and and get a flight demo. So uh, we'll continue. Our Scaris greeting Thrawn and Price states that he has uh, planned a simulation flight to showcase the elite's capabilities. Ezra prepares to to execute a diversion, but is distracted by the sight of a Lothwolf, a Lothwolf on top of a uh, rock across the valley. A TIE pilot catches him off guard, and in defending himself, Ezra is seen by Thrawn, Price, and Scaris. Uh, the surprise commander remarks on the presence of a Jedi, and Thrawn identifies Ezra. Sabine, working 
uh, is surprised to discover that the fighter has a Nava computer. She looks up to see Ezra fighting the stormtroopers and tells him uh, he definitely got their attention. Ezra tells Ryder and Zeb to get the information they already had back to the others and that he and Sabine will find their way out. So a couple of things here. Um, first of all, we get the first sighting of Ezra and he sees this uh, loath wolf. Yeah. Um, and he, and I, I don't know if I was – I think that this – the wolf, did you notice that he kind of nods its head? Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of like an alert to uh, to Ezra because right, right then he kind of turns around and he sees the uh, the, the stormtrooper behind him. So yeah. I don't know if I was just seeing things. Did you notice that at all? No, absolutely. The the, the okay. loath wolf throughout the, the episode is, is absolutely guiding mm-hmm. Ezra for sure. Right. Okay, and then uh, and then the, the the good part about this too is here's what I love too. You got Ezra. He's you know he's dodging fire from the stormtroopers. He's kind of going all over the place, and then he lands like right in front of Thrawn and Price. Yeah, and uh, he kind of goes, he kind of waves to him, and then you get this Thrawn. He just goes fascinating, like nothing, nothing kind of. Uh, uh, phases this guy you know what mm-hmm. i mean he just he kind of takes it in stride like oh okay so good stuff here and and ezra's kind of connection now we're starting to get this connection not only with the cats we saw earlier but now um but now this loath wolf that hasn't been around for i think he says a thousand years or something like that so we're going to get into more of that loath wolf here in a second right mike you want to continue yeah absolutely sorry one second i was just trying to look something up uh, you guys might oh, okay be clicking on my computer but um as Ezra dodges stormtroopers amidst crates on the landing field, he contacts Sabine, who tells him to take cover. She fires on the Imperial troops with the Elite's guns and picks up Ezra. Sabine makes several passes to destroy most of the base's TIE fighters and interceptors. On her final pass, Thrawn, despite being in the line of fire, calmly shoots at the prototype several times, making no attempt to take cover. Sabine destroys Thrawn's shuttle before buzzing the control tower, causing the officers inside to duck. Price offers to activate its kill switch, but Thrawn tells her not to, as he sees this as a good opportunity to perform a combat test. As she flies the Elite, Sabine tells Ezra that the prototype has a Nava computer, which means it has a hyperdrive, making it their best option for getting the flight data recorder back to the Rebellion. She begins to deactivate the prototype's homing beacons so the Empire can't track them. Several blips appear on the fighter's scope, and Ezra reports enemy fighters closing in. As the prototype is chased through a landscape of rock spires, Ezra shoots down one of the pursuing interceptors. Uh, yeah, I mean, like obviously, we're we're seeing right off the bat how how powerful this this Tie Fighter is. Mm-hmm. She devastates this this landing field, um, and uh, and and before anybody can even do anything. Um, mm-hmm. So there's two things to that is a, how devastating the tie fighter is the, the defender is uh, and B Sabine's a pretty good pilot. Um, I, and she manages to get them out of there with relative ease. Now oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, Ezra takes over later and that that's sort of one of the, the, the points that Thrawn makes, but yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. which I love that moment. We'll talk about it when we get there. I'm sure yeah. uh, it's in the next section, but yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, it's, man, it's a, just such yeah. a good episode. I just like, I don't even know, like I don't have that much commentary cause I'm just so, so like, like oh, who's just awesome? 
It was just like, there's not <laughs> yeah. later on yeah. in the episode, there will be stuff to, to sort of digest and break down. But here it's like, no, it's just cool. It's just a really good it's adventure. Just cool action. Yeah, um, the one thing yeah. is definitely like the echoes of fight or flight. Um, and, and, uh, Zeb's sort of like, oh, I, I should have known that this is what was going to happen because it's exactly what happened last time they were right. in this sort of situation where Ezra and Zeb stole TIE fighter. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's all kind of like it, it, it I love that because we know we've already talked about it this episode with the Ewok thing that Star Wars mm-hmm echoes itself it is it, it sort of there are ripples and sometimes those those ripples repeat um this is one of those moments where within its own series star wars rebels is echoing back to star wars rebels and i think that that's really cool that they that they were that they went there that they mm-hmm. that even within even within the series <gasps> sorry excuse me Within four episodes or four seasons, they managed to call back to something from earlier in the series, mm-hmm. but again in a totally new way. So, um, yeah. Well, this this kind of section here too. Again, Thrawn kind of stands out. Like you know, he's he's like, hey, we can use this as a, a nice little combat test. You know, like hey, yeah. let's have these interceptors dogfight and see what happens. And then, uh, like like earlier too, he's just standing there as Sabine flies over him. She's shooting at him. And he's just going to stand there and he kind of fires at her. It's like, man, this guy's got some cojones to stand there in front of the tie defender. But uh, this guy oh, shows yeah. no fear. And there was a callback to me to one of my favorite movies, Top Gun. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but as Ezra's flying the tie elite, you know, he's got the two interceptors behind him. And Ezra kind of goes full maverick here and he, and he, and he pulls, he hits the brakes and both of the tie interceptors kind of fly right by him and then he kind of runs up mm-hmm. behind him. And takes one of them out. So there's your Top Gun reference for uh, for this episode right there. I, they, I think they've done that once or twice before. So kind of kind of stood out to me. Um, let's see. Uh, should I continue, Mike? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. At the Imperial base, uh, Scarus, noting the pilot's capabilities, suggests that Harrison Dula is piloting the prototype. Thrawn states that it has to be someone else. If Hera were piloting, uh, then all three of the interceptors would have been shot down by now. Thrawn, noting that the homing beacon was deactivated in record times, uh, deduces that Sabine is the other rebel in the elite. On board the prototype, Sabine realizes that the prototype has a kill switch and tells Ezra to land, reminding him of the ones on the TIE fighters from their mission to Star Strike Academy. Back at the base, Thrawn notes that if a modest pilot Ezra can defeat three trained interceptor pilots so quickly, it more than proves that the prototype's uh, combat capabilities. He orders Price to activate the kill switch, and after she does, she orders gunships sent to the crash site. The Elite is heading for a landing in the wilderness when the switch is activated and two of its wings are ripped off before Sabine manages to cut the signal. The fighter crash lands uh, on its one remaining wing, and Ezra and Sabine exit the data re- with the data recorder. Sabine insists that they have to remove the fighter's hyperdrive as they might be able to install it on Ryder's U-wing, which no longer has a functioning one. No, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, what? I thought you got it. Ah, its transponder has been disabled in record time. It's the Mandalorian. Land the ship. Now! What's wrong? The ship has a kill switch. They used it at Sky Strike, remember? They can disable the ship from a distance. 
If someone of Ethra Bridges' modest skill can best free trained pilots, our new fighter will give us an overwhelming advantage against the rebels. Governor, you may proceed. Activating theft countermeasure now. Scramble gunships. Once they have fallen from the sky, locate and secure the crash site. To me! So, Mike, we got this uh, section here where Thrawn recognizes Sabine uh, is the one that's in the tie. Um, and, and he's confident that this new tie will give them kind of a huge advantage, especially uh, if someone with modest skills, like he says, uh, yeah. Ezra, is able to, you know, kind of best his three trained pilots. So, man, he's he's pretty he's pretty stoked about this little test here that yeah. comes about. So uh, and a great it's going to be a great boon to their forces since. Like I said, Ezra isn't a, isn't a talented pilot, uh, at least compared to, to Hera. So um, interesting where they're going here with this, Micah. Any, any comments before we go on? I just love that moment where he's like, if it was Harris and Dula, then the, like, yeah. those TIE fighters would already be gone. I, yeah. The, the yeah. thing about Thrawn that makes him so scary and makes him such a great villain and, and what I love about him on Star Wars Rebels, even though I am famous for not liking Thrawn as a character – previously i th- I like mm-hmm. and i'll say like like star wars rebels has turned me around on that this version of the character is awesome this thrawn is what people thought thrawn was but in the books he is not this cool um him standing his ground and shooting mm-hmm. at the at the defender as as uh, uh, sabine came at him is like that's a pretty cool moment and then when he's like like just send a bunch of interceptors Let's put it through its paces. Let's see how it does. And it's like he has no intention of them taking down the 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 defender. He wants mm-hmm. to see how quickly the defender takes out these interceptors. And right. and like he says, if it were Harrison Dula, they'd already be dead. And he doesn't care. Yeah. It's like whatever. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's like exactly. and obviously like these are probably some pretty decent pilots because they're they're at this test facility so you know like they're they're gonna be pretty good right um, right and he just sacrifices them for a combat test yeah and and wouldn't care like and they all die and he doesn't care and he's like okay we have the data that yeah. we need it's very <laughs> yeah. interesting this is a very good, good test. test right like he's <laughs> yeah, just so he's just yeah. so um, uncaring. Mm-hmm. And just cold and and heartless, and it's like no, we're gonna. I don't care about the battle. We're gonna win the war, right? But yeah. um, I have to imagine that that'll eventually be his undoing. That's um, yeah. Great people point. Yeah. people work for him out of fear, um, not out of loyalty. And uh, and I think that that'll that might be one of the things that ends up biting him in the in the butt. It's also just that he underestimates these rebels. I think. Um, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a big thing. Uh, I mean, look what he's done in this episode alone. Like he said, he just he stands in front of the Sabine as she's flying, yeah. shooting at him. I mean, just the the cockiness that he has. You know, like like you said, I think that's going to be his undoing uh, there, sooner or later yeah, in the series. There's yeah. there's an element to it. I mean, it's very Tarkin-esque, right? It's like what evacuate in our moment of triumph. Oh, it's yeah. very much that, right? It's and it's boring, like, okay, yeah. well, that's why that's why Tarkin's dead and Vader's alive, and you know, well, Vader's alive because he was in a ship. But you know what I mean? Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
the opposite of grievous i but <laughs> yeah. but there's an element to it i think that they thrawn thinks that he knows everything and that's gonna like it's that it's the like you said the cockiness the overconfidence um right. it's very much like like uh tarkin and uh and and palpatine but i think that the element of it that he doesn't understand and i think it's the element that palpatine didn't understand either is that um thrawn thinks he knows these these heroes backwards and forwards right and he might his ability to go like well that's the he identifies ezra by his lightsaber immediately right so that's ezra bridger right and then and then by you know like the by sabine disabling the the thing he's like oh it's the mandalorian um oh it's not hera because if it were she would blah 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 so it's like he has this very good knowledge of of these uh characters but what he underestimates is what happens when they come together as a team right Mm -hmm. and that's going to be the thing like that's really the, the core of it is that he thinks that he's got it figured out but those elements on their own might be predictable, but what makes them unpredictable is when you put Zeb and Ezra together and they steal a TIE fighter or you put Sabine and Ezra together and they steal a TIE fighter. And it's like, uh, they're, they're different yeah. situations, even though they're very, the, the, you know, on paper, it sounds the same. Um, different things happen and right. like, and Kanan's not there. What would have happened if Kanan was there? Right. Like, how would it have gone yeah. differently if Kanan was around? Because Kanan is a different leader and, you know, he'd pull rank on Sabine and, and that sort of thing. Sabine would would listen to him. Sabine won't listen to Ezra. So it's mm-hmm. like the, it's not just about the individuals. There are interpersonal dynamics that that happen when these characters come together. And I believe that when all all of those characters are together, the entire ghost crew, they're pretty unstoppable. Um, and and the only thing that's going to defeat them is, is dividing them. Um, yeah. but at this point, I don't think that they can be divided. I think that, that they're going to, the only question there, I think the only thing that keeps that a little bit in, up in the air is the dynamic between Kanan and, and Hera at the moment that Kanan, Ezra, Sabine, Zeb, uh, they are all in it for Lothal. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that Hera's a little bit disconnected because she's in it for the rebellion. And and that that's gonna be an issue sooner rather than later on on, mm-hmm. on this series, I think. And I think that's gonna be the core conflict within the team. Um and it's gonna come out between Kanan and Hera for sure. But uh-huh. um but they'll have to come back together by the end of it. Or I mean like there's absolutely a possibility that Hera putting the rebellion first and not sticking with her team um, above and beyond is going to be the thing that, that leads to Kanan's demise, right? Him having to sacrifice himself. So I think that there's something there's, there's a dynamic there that's interesting and that might be the thing that propels Hera forward um, through the star Wars saga uh, to where we see her in, in return of the Jedi. So um, yeah. Uh, or post return of the Jedi, I should say, in Forces of Destiny. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I. So I guess I did have a lot to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, Go you ahead, know, Mike. You want to 
No, uh, yeah, I'll continue here. Uh, Zeb and Ryder arrive back at Ryder's U-Wing, and Zeb grumbles that he knew the kids would pull something crazy like this. Kanan tells him not to worry and climbs up into the co-pilot's seat. Hera reports that Imperial Chatter is saying that they crashed, and Ryder points out that they can't contact Ezra and Sabine without leaving a signal trace. The U-Wing takes off as Hera resolves to find them before the Empire does. You can go ahead and continue. Uh, Yeah, uh, after extracting it, Ezra and Sabine slowly drag the heavy hyperdrive away from the wreckage. Ezra sees a white Lothcat, which directs him to an alcove. He suggests that they hide the hyperdrive there so they can come back for it later, as they'll make better time without it. Sabine asks Ezra how he knew about the place and tells her that he followed the white Lothcat. As she didn't see it, she doesn't know what he's, ta- what he's talking about. The two rebels push the hyperdrive inside, and Ezra pushes a stone in front for concealment. As they leave, Ezra hears howling in the distance. Imperial gunships arrive at the crash site after nightfall as Price begins her search, and Thrawn promises ground troops to secure the area. Elsewhere, Hera flies Ryder's uh, U-wing through the rocks, staying close to the ground. She hears that the Empire has secured a crash site, and Kanan reassures her that Ezra and Sabine uh, will be safe. Uh, go ahead, Michael. We'll continue this next yeah. paragraph, and then we'll talk. It's a lot to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. Ezra and Sabine, carrying the flight recorder, are forced to hide from the searchlights of Imperial gunships. Sabine insists that they have to keep moving. Ezra sees the Loth Wolf again, but Sabine doesn't. She recalls it as a creature depicted in cave paintings, and Ezra explains that it was native to Lothal, but that no one's seen one in a hundred years. At this point, the Loth Wolf comes up behind Sabine, and Ezra, nervous, gets her to turn around. The wolf puts her to sleep before looking at Ezra, who asks what he did to Sabine and reaches for his lightsaber. The white Lothcat appears on the wolf's head, reassuring and surprising Ezra. When Imperial gunships appear in the distance, the wolf and cat growl, and Ezra notes that they don't like the Empire either. Ezra tells the wolf that the gunships are searching for them, and he offers him and, and the sleeping Sabine a ride. Putting Sabine on the wolf's back, Ezra then picks up her helmet and the data recorder and, and climbs up on as well. The wolf runs, avoiding searchlights, and Ezra looks back as they flee before thanking the creature. Actually, uh, this was this you got this from, what, Wikipedia, I think? Yeah. Yeah, it says data recorder. Somebody needs to go into Wikipedia and edit that. That's the hyperdrive. Fix that. No, no, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. is the data recorder, isn't it? The hyperdrive is stashed. Never mind. Right, right. I'm wrong. They have both. They it's have right. both, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. Do you want here? Let's just let's just close. Let's up. do. Yeah, I know. I th- that's what I was thinking because yeah. we can unpack that whole thing with yeah. one, with one thing here. Okay. The wolf drops Ezra and Sabine off near where Ryder's U-wing has landed. Ezra asks the wolf why it helped him, and he uh, gives him a cryptic message: "Doom" before vanishing. Sabine wakes up as the other rebels approach, and Hera is very glad to see the two safe. Zeb asks how they are going to how they got back to the camp so quickly, and Ezra asks. The others, if they saw the wolf, only to discover him gone. Ezra and Sabine show the others uh, the flight recorder and reveal they, they hid the elite's hyperdrive near the crash site. As they walk back to Ryder's U-Wing, Ezra asks Kanan about the wolf. Kanan believes Ezra, but is unsure of what is happening. Behind them, the wolf watches the rebels walk away. Why did you help us? you're safe. How did you get back here so fast? Didn't you see the Loth Wolf? 
supposed to be? I don't remember seeing anything. I just heard you say wolf. Is that the... Flight data recorder from the TIE Defender Elite. All Sabine's idea. We got the hyperdrive too. Stash it in the rocks near the crash. I think it'll work in our U-Wing. Then we can come and go off this rock. Well done, you two. Kanan, there was a wolf. And there's something more to it. What, I don't know. I believe you. All paths are coming together now. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. We'll have to find out when we get there. All right, Mike. Uh, so we've known about these wolves coming in. Dave Filoni's done a lot of teases with it. And they come in, and a lot of people talk about, um, you know, is a connection to Ahsoka and all that. I'm not in that camp at this point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the lawful with this giant black eyes, it some, seems like it might have some kind of mind control powers, or the deep voice. Uh, he's there, you know, with Ezra. You know, we know Ezra has this huge connection to to the animals, uh, Loth cats, and now the, I think this Loth wolf. Um, I'm in the camp right now to where I think that this creature, the Loth wolf, is just, you know, like I said, it's it was they thought they were gone. They've been gone for 100 years, but I think they're around. Definite force connection with with Ezra, but at this point, that's all I think it is. He's just a force connection that he's able to help. Ezra, um, so that's where I'm at right now. I don't know where you're at because we haven't talked about this yet, but mm -hmm. uh, what's your thoughts on it now? Yeah, uh, so the thing that I was looking up was the character Master Thawne from uh, Tales of the Jedi, who uh, Master Thawne is the, is the Jedi Master that instructed Nomi Sunrider and, and trained her in the ways of mm -hmm. the Jedi. And Master Thawne, the thing that I always found really fascinating about that character uh, back in the day when I would read the Tales of the Jedi comics is that Master Thawne is not bipedal. He's a, he, he's kind of like a big Triceratops sort of looking monster. Um, but he's a Jedi Master because, mm -hmm. as Yoda taught us, Jedi Masters come in all shapes and sizes. Um, the, the, you know, if you're looking for a great warrior, etc. Um, and this Lothwolf reminds me a great deal of that character. Hmm. In the sense that they, we have preconceived notions about things, um, especially about about animals, and and uh, and we automatically assume that we're superior. But it's very clear that these loath wolves have a deep connection to the Force, um, and that's yes. been clear since season two when we saw the cave paintings um, in in the, right. the 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 Jedi Temple on Lothal. So. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on here with these loath wolves, its ability to just, uh, use the force to, to put Sabine to sleep. Um, mm -hmm. obviously because, um, the, these loath wolves, they, 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 they're choosing to remain hidden and, um, and it, it basically wipes her memory of, of the encounter, which, is yeah. really interesting. Why is it doing that? Why does it feel the need to do that? And I think it's because these these creatures are somehow connected to sort of the heart of Lothal um, in regards to its connection to the Force. Um, we talked about mm -hmm. a lot last week. Lothal is very clearly a, a focal point for the Force, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it is covered in 
life in in vegetation and life forms and and as we know you know the 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 force is uh is an energy field created by living things um so lothal is very strong in the force and these creatures the loth wolves as well as the loth cats i think we're discovering are very very connected to the force um they are Mm -hmm. they are important um and I and and obviously they're also sentient, um, and we've been overlooking that because humans are not native to Lothal. Uh, Lothal existed before humans and and other uh, uh, intelligent spacefaring species came to the planet. That's mm-hmm. obvious because you know we don't we don't really talk about like a native Lothal species other than these animals. And these animals, I think we're learning, are, are not just animals, that they are sentient, um, like cognizant species yeah. that, that, that are in control of their own destiny, especially the wolves. Um, and beyond that, <clears throat> this loath wolf, at least, appears to have a very deep connection to the Force on par with that of a Jedi, Am I calling mm-hmm. this Loth Wolf a Jedi? No. No, right. But much like we learned last season with uh, w- with the Bendu, uh, and we know from the Clone Wars with the the uh, the the Wills and and uh, uh, Mortis, the 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 the, the father, son, and daughter, mm-hmm. that the Force is much more complicated than we want to give it credit for. Um, and you know, our understanding of it for a long time was just the Jedi and the Sith, but, um, we've learned so much more since then as star Wars fans about what the force is and who has connections to it. The, the night sisters, the, the guardians of the wills, I, mm-hmm. all of those other things that I mentioned, this loath wolf is connected and can control the force, right? Like he, he uses uh, right. it on i mean i'm i'm making an assumption based on the deep voice that it's a he um but but the loth wolf uses that connection and that ability on sabine uh, straight up uh, and uh, and it obviously has a great sense of the force because it senses ezra and is there to protect him and to help him and it clearly knows something that we don't because yeah. the cryptid cryptic message doom. Yeah. If you didn't have the, the closed that. captions on, you might've missed this because you might've just been like doom, doom. What? Like, like the planet is doomed. I don't understand. Right. Uh, no, not doom. D O O M doom. D U M E. Uh, and you know, like if you haven't read, the the comics the 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 Canaan uh, uh, comic book s- series I think there's two volumes of it two collected volumes uh, first of all you're you're messing up and uh, you should be ashamed of yourself um, <laughs> no you could be you can be mistaken for for thinking that the comics aren't that important because most of the comics that they're publishing right now really don't have anything to do with the larger story of Star Wars and they're actually quite silly. Um, but there are a handful that are really important. Um, the Lando comic is important. 
the the uh, Shattered Empire comic is important because it's a lot of backstory mm-hmm. for Poe's character. Uh, the Poe Dameron comic is fairly important, although not vital, but still fairly important. And the most important comic series published since Marvel took over publishing is absolutely the Kanan series. Um, Kanan, the last Padawan. And that's because it explains a lot about where Kanan came from. It's the most backstory we've gotten to any Star Wars Rebels character. Um, and it connects him directly to uh, to the events of Revenge of the Sith and, uh, and what happened to him in between and how he managed to survive. So uh, for those who don't know, his name before he became Kanan Jarrus was Caleb yes. Doom. Mm. D-U-M-E. So yeah. this Lothwolf is letting Ezra know Kanan is the key. And that's what I've been saying. And more than yeah. ever before, I'm convinced Kanan does not survive. Kanan is going to have to sacrifice himself before this is out. Um, and, and he's really, he's the key to everything, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, we thought this was Ezra's story. I don't think it is. This is Kanan's story. Um, and it's, there's oh, a bit okay. of a fake out there that like Ezra is, Ezra is vital but Ezra is vital to Kanan fulfilling his destiny. Um, mm-hmm. And Kanan is the main character of this story. It's, it is, is, this is very much the fake out that we got in the original trilogy where we thought the whole time that it was Luke's story. It wasn't Luke's story. It was never Luke's story. It was Vader's story. Right. And I, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, once we got the prequels that became abundantly clear, but in return of the Jedi, I think it's fairly obvious that this has been a story about redeeming Darth Vader and Luke was the key to that. Well, this is the story about Kane, uh, about Kanan Jarrus, Caleb doom, uh, redeeming himself, um, and mm-hmm. coming back to who he truly was the entire time, you know? Um, and Ezra is the key to that. Ezra has always been the key to that. Um, Ezra put Kanan back on the path to becoming a Jedi master. And I think that, that the way that Kanan talks at the end of this episode, all paths are coming together now. And then Ezra goes, what, what does that mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and Caleb, uh, Caleb, Kanan gives the very clear, foggy Jedi answer, the, the Yoda mace windu oh, yeah you know obi-wan kenobi answer of i don't know i guess we'll see see when we get there right yeah. and it's like that is just such a mm, it's so juicy it's so good it's so tasty <laughs> it's got so much there's so much meat on that bone that that uh, yeah. i we could talk about it for hours and hours and hours but i'm not going to for the simple fact that i'm gonna listen to kanan i don't know we'll see when we get there Right. Yeah, what what an answer that was, right? Yeah, I, I so good. same thing as you thought. Yeah. You know, talk about this wolf and and connection to the force and these things have been in hiding. So my first thought was, okay, you know, we know the Jedi are basically in hiding, you know, where the Loth was kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Although they've been in hiding a lot longer than than the Jedi have. So that theory kind of kind of got thrown out the window, but it still, it still could be that kind of thing. But you're right. You know, this doom thing, I did the same thing. I heard, I heard the, I was watching the episode and I go, oh, man, I, what's he talking about doom? So I did the exact same thing. Like I, I turned on my CC and cause I wanted to see how they spelled it. 
And of course, like you said, they spell it DMA. And the only thing I can think of was was Kanan. Like, oh, is he talking about Caleb Doom? But I'm like, that's kind of that's like a head scratch. Like, what is he trying to say? But I think yeah. you beautifully kind of kind of kind of explained it right there about what's going on with this. And it's going to be about Kanan. And 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 I always thought it was about like you know uh, Ezra and his his um, kind of liberating. Or not Ryloff, but literally uh, Lothal. But you're right; it could be about Kanan and and his ultimate, ultimately what happens to him. And it, and Ezra's because kind of like that second part of the story. So, man, really interesting. Man, it just makes you man. What's going on with this? You dying to see more about what's going on with these laws. I don't know. I, I don't know if we're gonna see him again in this in this series. I, I imagine we might. Um, since if they stay on Lothal, maybe the maybe the Wolf shows up again. So we'll see. But um, man, really, some really cool stuff in this episode, Mike. Uh, like great episode, like you said, one of your favorites. Uh, definitely up there for me as well as top ten episode in in, in Rebels. So, mm-hmm. uh, any any final thoughts before we go on? No, that's it. You know, like I said, we'll see when we get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be like my mantra for the rest of the season because it's like we can speculate, but I think like I trust. I trust Dave and I trust the force where we're going to get there and it's going to be good. It's going to be great. Do you think, do you think, uh, like I, I'm thinking Kanan right now is he's not kind of showing all his cards. Like he's holding something back, right? You yeah. Think? I, if you heard that. Yeah. I, I think so too. And, and, and I think I said this last week that, that, um, you know, when Ezra has force visions, he's very quick to tell everybody about it. But I think that, um, if if Kanan is having similar force visions, he's keeping it to himself. Yeah, he is. Right. right? And right. his actions to me indicate that he does know. He knows. He said he just said it. All paths are coming together now. Yeah. And it's like yeah, he, he knows. knows. He knows that that the story is about to end. Um, but he's gone from from Jedi exile to night um Mm -hmm. in in season two to i think approaching master status um he's definitely approaching that obi-wan kenobi level i mean like in my heart he already has that's for sure he's uh he is one of my top characters in the star wars uh saga and i don't rank them like it's like there are different times and places for different characters but so kanan occupies the same level for me that han solo Poe Dameron and Obi-Wan Kenobi do. And and I think that you guys can kind of clearly see how I define that. But like he is there. He's he's absolutely absolutely there at this point for me. So it's just a matter of him sort of fulfilling his destiny, but I think in the same way that Luke confronting Vader is the thing that makes him a Jedi Knight, I think that what Kanan has to do now in in these final moments of the series are what what achieve Jedi master status yeah, for him. Exactly. Right. Right. Maybe come in a force ghost. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. He will learn that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Great stuff. Let's, uh, let's jump into the mailbag. Huh? Yeah, let's do it. What message? The Rebels podcast. Now that's a country club. Mailbag. The council is asking you. All right. So we got, uh, oh, sorry. Hold on. Uh, Kimberly Ross. She, uh, chimed in she wanted to chime in on some stuff about this episode she says uh you were all awesome and i i always enjoy your take on the episodes i love the new rebel cells name on another podcast one of you 
on another podcast, one of you will be taking uh, talking gargoyles. I'm so there. One of my favorite uh, shows of all time. Uh, a thought on Hera and Kanan. I agree that most likely we won't see and survive the events of Rebels. It's definitely in his character. Thinking on this, do you think uh, this will cause Hera to shut down and throw herself more into the rebellion? Kanan seems to be grounding her, kind of pulling her back in, uh, into focus on herself, too. I'd hate to see Hera kind of void herself of emotion. What do you think of Hera's emotions? She already kind of seems distant from Kanan, where he's more open open about his feelings. Again, thank you both for your awesome thoughts on this amazing series. So that's from uh, Kim. Mike, you want to comment on what she's talking about here, Kanan and, and, and Hera and where they're going? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that uh, they... they... Kimberly and I are on the same page here. Um, and I think I talked about it already in this episode. Um, and, and I had already read this email, um, when, when she had sent it in. So, um, so I think that like we are feeding each other (laughs) a little bit. Like my, my opinions are a little bit, are a little bit already, um, on the same page as Kimberly, but, but she's definitely influencing the way that I feel about this as well with some of these comments, that idea of Hera, um, throwing herself more into the rebellion. That's, that is how I see it. And that's when we look at Lego star Wars, the Freemaker adventures, Hera is a little bit different. She's still, she's still very caring and very nurturing, but she's not team mom in that version of, of the character. Right. Mm-hmm. When we see her and and they're like, we have to go save. Um, um, why can't I remember the characters names? I can only think as well. Yeah, I, I Xander, Cordy, what's Rowan? They have to go Rowan, save yeah. Rowan when Xander and Cordy are like, we have to go save Rowan. And Hera's like, I understand. I, 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 I get how you feel. But the rebellion yeah. comes first. It's like, well, that seems a little different from the Hera that, that, that we know and love from star Wars rebels. Why? Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's why. So, you know, like I'll just go back to the fact that, that in this, in the star Wars rebels centric episode, um, if you're not watching the Freemaker adventures, you're, you're not living your best life because that show <laughs> is the most so fun, fun you'll have watching star Wars hands yeah. down. Um, but at the same time, it is an incredibly well-written important part of the story so yeah um, yeah, I, yeah she's she's uh, she's talking about uh like she she kind of is in agreement with us about Kanan and, yeah. and his ultimate uh not surviving the series which we think is going to happen and and she talks about Hera and Kanan and, and the relationship and I think definitely like Kanan does is is more like I guess affectionate right now and he kind of wants to go there but mm-hmm. but I think it, it's also the same thing with Hera like she is so important now in the rebel alliance i mean she's up there now with mon mothma and and dodana and all those she's in all these meetings now and and i think she's like 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 she's thinking of you know this whole alliance more than anything right now so i i kind of agree with um with uh with what kim's saying here about about where Hera's at as opposed to Kanan. So, um, so thank you, uh, Kim. Good stuff. As always, uh, she's a good part of our community and I love hearing from her. Uh, Mike LG also kind of wrote in and he says, Hey, great episode. Once again, he listened to it twice. So he's talking about last, last week's episode. And I thought he meant the episode, the, uh, actual rebels episode. And I, I think he's talking about our, uh, our podcast. So he I, do it twice. I, yeah. wow. I think he might cool. be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, there's always, we break down a lot of stuff and, 
And uh, hey, maybe sometimes it is takes it twice. So let's do it. Appreciate that, man. Always love that. So thanks, Mike sure. and uh, and Kim for uh, uh, writing into us. Yeah. Um, next week, Mike on Star Wars Rebels. It is called Kindred. And uh, tracked back to their hidden base by a mysterious Imperial agent, the Rebels must trust some seemingly dangerous native creatures who are far more than uh, than meets the eye. So take a listen to a quick clip of Kindred coming up next week, Star Wars Rebels. Check it out. You won't stand long against those tanks. We have that transport and a bike. How many can we get on a bike? We're out of options. There. That's our way up. Both wolves. Look, they helped me before. We should follow them. Are you serious? Do you know the way out? Come on. Kanan? Seems like the best idea we've got. Let's go. This is good. When it gets strange like this, it's a good thing. How have you people stayed alive so long? So I guess I answered my question about the Lothwells. I totally forgot about this clip. But mm-hmm. they are back again already, so that's interesting. And then also, it looks like we're getting the uh, first appearance of uh, Thrawn's bodyguard, Rook, uh, in this episode as well. So, um, of course, we got two episodes coming next week, uh, Kindred and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Crawling Commanders. I believe Crawler Commanders, one. yeah. yeah. Crawler Commanders, yeah. yeah. So uh, looking forward to those two. Uh, we're almost, geez, we're almost done, Mike, with this first half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. We're so like, we have the, I, as we said, we're recording Sunday. So got episodes airing, um, tonight. If you're on the West coast, you'll be able to watch them at nine 30, um, yeah. or tomorrow if you're everywhere else. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, and then, and then we just have one episode left after that, which is yeah. just crazy. <laughs> and then we're on yeah. a very, very long break. Um, obviously we will be here um week by week to talk to you guys about the individual episodes so we've got after this week we've got another three weeks left which will take us right right up to the doorstep of the last jedi which should be perfect perfectly timed good timing Um, yeah good timing but that does it for this week's episode thank you guys for listening uh, of course, if you want to stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars animation news, you can do that by heading to rebelcells.com. That is R E B E L C E L S.com. Cell with one L. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook, rebel, uh, facebook.com slash rebels podcast, as well as on Twitter at rebels podcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that by heading to at uh, arkwolf, A R K W U L F. And Matt is at the crankster, that is crankster with a K. Um, Thank you. You guys know we're part of the the Thunderquack podcast network. You can head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network. As Kimberly mentioned, uh, I have another podcast uh, called The Disney Dad's Cartoon Afternoon, in which we will eventually be talking about gargoyles. Um, not right away, but uh, there's a there's a there's a connection between gargoyles and uh, and and uh, um, Star Wars Rebels. One of the uh, we talked about it a lot around the premiere of the series one of the uh the original executive producers who is no longer an executive producer was an executive producer over on gargoyles so it'll be interesting to go back rewatch gargoyles on on cartoon afternoon with curtis and and talk about it um and the connections and see what's similar to 
Star Wars Rebels. But uh, I, if you want to support us, you can do that a couple of ways. You can do that first by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, um, like a T-shirt, cell phone case, maybe a throw pillow or a scarf or maybe leggings. There's all sorts of stuff for all of the podcasts that we do. So head over there and check it out. Um, great for Christmas gifts, which I know it's a little early to start thinking about that, but the reason why I say it is because I want you guys to be prepared for Black Friday and Cyber Monday because the over on the store, I guarantee you there will be some good deals because that's I bought stuff last year um, mm. when when uh, when that happened. So I'm gonna try and get some new merch up there uh, just in time for Black Friday. So just just keep your eyes on it and uh, be prepared for that because um, that's gonna be coming around the corner soon. Um, the other way to support us is by heading over to uh, patreon.com slash thunderquack to, to get access to some cool exclusives like the exclusive thunderquack podcast as well as uh, our exclusive Facebook group specifically for thunderquack podcast patreon supporters so uh, yeah those are the two ways uh, store.thunderquack.com and patreon.com slash thunderquack we appreciate everybody who does support us um, I did I talk about it? I didn't talk. Yeah, I talked about it last on the last episode, uh, Movember. If you guys want to support mm-hmm. me in Movember, uh, you can do that by heading to mobro.co slash arcwolf and, uh, and kick in. Uh, I'd appreciate any support that anybody can give. I've already got a couple of people who've, who've jumped over there and supported, so I appreciate that. But uh, any anything at all. Uh, is helpful and uh, is, it'll help support uh, uh, my personal uh, part, part of the cause, which is uh, men's mental health, which I think doesn't get talked about enough and, uh, and, and we should have more open conversations about it. Guys tend to be pretty closed off about this stuff, their health mm-hmm. in general. And, uh, and that's right. something that needs to, to change because um, men die younger than women and, uh, and the staggering statistic is that three out of four suicides are men, which, uh, which, which to me is, uh, is, uh, is a terrible thing. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, head over to, you can check movember.com, uh, mobro.co and, uh, slash arc to, to donate. Um, and, uh, and, and let me know. And if, and if you tweet at me, uh, that you, that you donated, um, then, uh, I will enter you into the raffle for a free, uh, illustration of a free uh, commission so uh, by me um, so yeah I uh, that's it for this week and uh, we will we will see you guys next week for the episode uh, what's the next one kindred for the episode kindred It'll be kindred yes see you guys next week yes see you guys next week <laughs>